This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. If you have your Bibles, Leviticus 19, we're going to talk about the need. Everyone say the need. For holiness. I was born again in a Pentecostal church in 1976 on June the 27th on a Sunday morning. It was about 11.30 when I went up to that altar and a young soldier from the Bronx came up. He was still in his fatigues. I didn't even know him. It was my first time to that church. It was only about 25 people in this little bitty storefront church, which amazingly the building, this is 46 years later, is still out on Fort Campbell Boulevard, New Providence. I could show it to you. I passed by the other day. I thought, how in the, that building was old and ready to fall 46 years ago. Uh, the angels must still be going like this in there. And my, you know, they, they might be saying, Pastor William got saved in here. Don't, don't fall yet. And I went up to that little altar and that, that little soldier from the Bronx came up and, and he was with me. He was with me two weeks later when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. The pastor preached a message and I knew that I did not know who God was and I knew that I needed, to, I needed something to change in my life. And I knelt down and I prayed the prayer that I was told to pray and something, something really powerful happened inside of me when I finally got up from that altar, which was quite a while. When I finally got up from that altar, something had changed on the inside of me. Everybody say on the inside. Now, I had long hair when I went to that altar. When I left that altar, I had long hair. When I went home, I had long hair. When I went to work the next day, I looked exactly like I looked on Friday when I left work the last time. As far as anyone knew, Things were just the same. Things were just the way they were with me. There was no difference. And yet there was something dramatic that took place on the inside of me. I had an encounter with a holy God. Everybody say holy God. Not with a wooden God. Not with a chant. Not with a crystal. Not with some prophet that lived and died Back in 600, no. I had an encounter with a holy and living God. And I had no idea as a young, untaught, unlearned religious person, I had no idea the effect that encounter was going to have on me. But it was profound. So let's start, and I want to give that to you as my own introduction, and then I want us to read some scripture here. Leviticus 19, 2. He said, and he's talking to Moses here, who is the leader. He said, speak unto all the congregation. Everybody say the congregation. All right, so that's you. That may be you watching. Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel. This would be God's people. And say unto them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Say, he is holy. 
Leviticus 20, next chapter, verse 26. And you shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy. Say, he is holy. And I have severed you from other people that you should be mine. I want you to see that word severed there. Severed. I've severed you from other people. Isaiah 43 and verse 3. Isaiah 43, verse 3, if you're online, quickly go with us. He said, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One. Say, he is holy. holy. Of Israel, your Savior, I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia Ethiopia and Seba for you. Isaiah 43, verse 15, same chapter. God said, I am the Lord, your Holy One. Say, he is holy. The creator of Israel and your king. Isaiah 48 and 17, just a few chapters ahead there. Thus says the Lord, thy redeemer, the Holy One. Say, he's holy. I am the Lord God that teaches you to profit, which leads you in the way that you should go. I want to submit as we begin today to tell you that we serve a holy God. Now I want you to hear this. He is unlike a lot of gods that are out there that people may want to point you to, they may want you to think about, or may want you to follow or emulate. The thing that makes our God different is he's holy. He's holy. He's not like the other gods. He is sacred. Hallelujah. There is none like him. There's none that compare to him. Now, If we don't understand that he's holy, if we don't, first of all, get the revelation, I don't just serve some casual God, some some, uh, changing God that will change with my wants and my desires, and and because I want to do it, God will just be like that. If we don't get a picture of the fact that he is a holy God that will not change, then we're never going to really understand him or understand holiness. Because we're in a world now that is so confused. They're so confused. They don't know. We have this gender confusion. We have all this confusion now about, you know, the political thing is just so messed up. Everybody that gets elected spends four years trying to do something to the one before them so they can't run again like it's happening right now. Like happened to, to all the rest before, we could go, happened to President Obama, happened to President Bush, happened to President, happened to President, happened to President, and we cannot look to any of these people for our guide. They are responsible for the confusion. They are responsible for the fact that our country is about as immoral as it's probably ever been in its history. They have no concept of holiness. They have no desire for holiness. Like the Bible says, they're like men that go about trying to establish their own righteousness. Instead of holding high standards that have stood through centuries that are proven, they have decided to run and compromise with whatever the trend, the fad, or the cry is of the day. But you know, we shouldn't get angry at any of them because they aren't following the God we serve. 
The real problem is not with what the world is doing because if you go back to Genesis, it was so bad that God had to wipe it all out except for eight people. This is not the first time planet Earth has seen some of the stuff going on. It may be the first time we've seen it, but not the first time that it's happened on planet Earth. You go back and study the Romans and you go back and study all these, and you're going to find all kinds of debauchery, all kinds of degradation and all kinds of stuff going on. So we should, you know, for, for the world to be in that place is not a big, you know, uh, surprise. But in the middle of all of that, there's supposed to be a people. There's supposed to be a people that serve a holy God that is so, even though they're in the world, even though they're right in the middle of all this darkness and all of this confusion, there's supposed to be a group of people that absolutely stand out without even trying to stand out. Because they had an encounter with God, a holy God, like I did as a young 17-year-old kid, that absolutely, immediately, begin to work on my inside and eventually did something to my outside. Are you hearing me? The pastor that I was under, I brought him to this church. He's still alive. He's in his 70s. Uh, he was a young man, of course, then. Not that many more years. It's like his mid-20s when I got saved. He pastors down in Paris, Tennessee. I text him this morning. We text all the time. It's pretty wonderful to have your first pastor, you know, still in your life especially when you're, you know, at the age I'm at. And, uh, but I appreciate something about him. Even though I was in a very holy church, they really did sort of magnify holiness. And I'll explain what that means in a minute. He did not immediately when I got saved, come to me and say, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you don't do this and you don't do that. And you can't do this and you can't do that. Right. I like that he didn't do that. What he did say is, William, read your Bible. William, when there's prayer meeting, you come to prayer meeting. William, every time those doors of this little church is open, and it went, listen, there was nothing glamorous about it at all. It was two rooms. It was musky. There were a few little hard little pews that were about this wide that somebody had built, and that was our church. But he said, every time the doors open, be here. I said, yes, sir, I'll do it. And I started going in there, and it wasn't long before I realized I didn't cuss anymore. And they never said, thou shalt not cuss. They never even told me. But I had something holy working inside of me. And the more I let that thing work in me, it was also working things out of me. I suddenly realized I never wanted the taste of alcohol for the rest of my life. And I've held that true for 46 years. Now, that got quiet right there. I had a lot of ameners on that first one. That one always slows the train down for a minute. A few people are trying to figure out if they can get off at the next station or not. Well, not today. You've got to stay on for the whole ride. Amen. And it wasn't because somebody said, thou shalt not drink, but something holy was working in me. I didn't know what it was. I was so unlearned and so young and didn't know anything about the Bible. I was reading the Bible, didn't understand basically any of it. But something was working inside of me. All of a sudden, my friends that I had and I was hanging out with, and I, they really were pulling me in a really bad direction. 
All of a sudden, when they called me and said, man, let's go do, I'd say, what are y'all going to do? We're going to do this, this, all, man, I'm not, I'm not going. Well, why aren't you going? I, I'm just not going, man, I'm not going. Yeah, but we're going to do this. I said, I know, and that's why I'm not going. Well, you, I guess you in that church thing, I guess you, I get, and they started all that. I said, no, man, I, just, I said, church hadn't told me to do it. I said, I'm telling you, I'm not going. I'm just, it's not where I'm at. Are you hearing me? What was happening on the inside of me in those days, I didn't know it then, but a holy God was being given space in my being and that holy God was beginning to work things out that needed to be worked out. And beginning, my desires were beginning to change. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Exodus 15 and 11 says, Who is like you, talking about God, glorious in holiness. So God is holy. Let me give you a definition. Uh, perfect in purity, perfect in integrity, perfect in moral character, perfect in nature, perfect in, in moral compass. This is who our God is. But then in 1 Peter 1.16, he said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, this gets really interesting because this is no longer just Leviticus where people today, people today are saying, Well, all those laws that were written back there in Leviticus, you can't hold people to them anymore because we're in the New Testament. And we're under a new covenant. And we're under the blood. Therefore, those laws don't apply to us anymore. I'm going to talk to you a lot about that next week. I promise you we'll go after that really hard next week. Not this week, though. But isn't it interesting that now Jesus has already come, already died, already been raised from the dead, already been seen in 40 days, already ascended to the Father. Now time has passed. The Apostle Paul has been called. The church has been filled with the Holy Ghost, the book of Acts. The churches are started in Asia Minor. So several, 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 several years after Jesus has left the earth, Peter, who is considered one of the chief apostles of the New Testament church, says, by the way, be ye holy. God said, even as I am holy. Amen. So when you try to say this is an Old Testament Thing that does not apply because we are in the New Testament. Well, I just read to you from the book of 1 Peter, and I don't know if you noticed, but it's near the end of the New Testament. There are things in the Bible that changed when Jesus came. We don't have to offer blood sacrifices because he did. But here's the way you know that a doctrine didn't change is when it's repeated all the way through. Now, I'm going to say this, and I don't, I, I am, I'm, I'm a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and a preacher of the Bible. And I realize that what I'm preaching is not popular. How many preachers do you know they're preaching on holiness right now? But in the book of Genesis, God made them male and female. He brought Eve to Adam, a female to a male. Jesus also referred to that in his writings in the Gospels. He reminded us of the words that were spoken in Genesis. Then Paul, after Jesus left the earth and the New Testament church is rolling along, 
Paul brings it up again. That is the doctrine from the beginning to the end that God never changed. Now man can change it. Laws can change it. People can sign off on it for whatever reason they want to sign off of it. But folks, we are people of God. Now again though, so that you hear this correctly, because I know somebody hears this, ah, he's all mean. No, 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 no. Listen, but I understand how the world can see it differently. I'm not mad at the world for seeing it another way and, and, and doing other things. I'm not. But what I am saying, we as the people of God are commanded to do what he says. We can't call ourselves the people of God and take on the morals of the world. We can love every single one of them. I'm not talking about going out there and, and beating them over the head and cursing them. And No, man, I mean, not at all. But what I am saying is you also say, well, you know, listen, hey, man, I love you. I'm going to pray for you. Let's go. I'll, go. I'll have lunch with you. But now I'm never going to accept that because that's not, that's not me. Something holy happened to me. Don't you understand? It wasn't religion. It wasn't some religious experience. Something holy was birthed in me. And that holy part of me will never accept things that God does not accept. Can you say amen? I wasn't going to do this in this service, but I will because I think it's a simple enough illustration that it'll have an impact. Um, what is this called? What, what is it actually called? Holy Bible. Oh, it's the Holy Bible. Now, word Bible, it's a collection of books. There's a lot of things. Bible itself doesn't necessarily mean anything. It says this is a holy collection of books. Okay. Now, what makes it holy? I mean, what, what makes it holy? Is it the leather? No. Is it the ink? No. Is it the pages? No. Is it the fact that I had it personally signed by Brother Copeland to Pastor Ginger and me? No. <laughs> no, not, no, no, not. He personally did? Praise God. Isn't that cool? You can just hold those. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what, so what you're saying then, but we know it's a holy book, but we know it can't be the leather. We know it can't be the paper. We know it can't be the ink. What is it that makes it holy? Because what's in it? Are you, are you hearing me? So we declare then that what's in this book is holy. Therefore, if I want to be more uh, aware of what, what holy is, I've got to get in this book. And if anything is contrary, no matter what is out there, no matter what the, well, you know, they just did a poll and 74%. I don't care if 99.99% says this. I'm going here. As a Christian, I actually have a responsibility to go and check out the Word of God. So we would say then, what's on the inside of this is what makes it holy. Now, I know that God does not look on the outward appearance. I love that people love to bring that scripture. God doesn't look on, brother, God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Okay, I agree with that scripture. I agree with it. You're right. God looks past the exterior. 
He looks to the interior, like we would look into here, and inside is what really, really matters because you cannot have external holiness, here's a big word, without internal holiness. That's worth writing down for somebody's taking notes. Because you can look the part, you can have a nice suit, you can be clean, you can be respectable, have a good job. You can look very holy or you can have on a cleric's clothes and wear a robe and walk around with folded hands and everyone would imagine that you are holy because you certainly look holy, right? But you cannot have external holiness without internal holiness. But I'm going to jump ahead in my message a little bit. If you have internal holiness, you should have external holiness too. And here's where the problem lies in the church of America. We want to serve a holy God. We want to read his holy book. We want to proclaim our holiness and we want to blend in with the world. And that is not God's plan. Now, let's go back to this book a minute because I'm not done. Now, we've established that the ink and the pages really don't matter. It's really what's inside. In other words, the ink can't save you and the pages can't save you. Most of the adultery in America is committed three foot from a Bible. Did you know that? In hotel rooms. I mean, right there in those good old hotel rooms where third-rate romance, low-rand rendezvous. Remember that song? I went back to the 70s because we're having a 70s thing. The black folks didn't know that, but the white people know that song. What the black folks know is me and Mrs. Jones, we got a thing going on. We both know that it's wrong, but it's much too strong. So whether it's third-rate romance or me and Mrs. Jones, most of the adultery committed in America is committed three foot from a Bible in a hotel room. So the book sitting there right there has not changed anything. They go in there and they don't care about that book no more whether it could be a jigsaw puzzle book and it doesn't make any difference. Are you listening to me? And yet, although we would say the ink and the pages do not constitute or make up holiness or reveal it, but actually you have to have them to know what it is. You have to have the ink and the pages or you'd never know what holiness is because this, the Holy Spirit works with it, but you have to have the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So now, now I know you just missed what I just said because I just said something to you, but I'm going to get it. I'm going to make it plain. So you have to have what's inside for there to be holiness. But if you didn't see what was there, holiness cannot manifest. What am I saying? I'm saying if you're saying you're holy and you don't have any ink and pages for anybody to read, you're not holy. If you look like them, sound like them, act like them, talk like them, live like them, drink like them. The less you amen, the harder I hit the point. 
You got to have the ink and pages. The apostle Paul put it this way. He said, you are an epistle being read of all men. The moment you say to your friends, I go to church, I have become, I identify, boy, we use that phrase nowadays. Well, let me tell you what I identify as. I identify as a Christian. My identity, I don't have to wonder about my identity because I find it very simply in the Bible, just like that. It tells me what I am, what gender, what, what I'm supposed to say. It tells me it's right there in the Bible. It's so simple. What am I saying? If you are a Christian, it's not enough to say you have it on the inside. There should be some outside features. And there was a time when people who went to church and really were trying to walk with God, they would walk into rooms and you would know who they were without them saying a thing. Now, let me get back into that a minute. I understand. I was part of a church. I got saved in a Pentecost church that was holy. Then I went into ultra, ultra holiness. I went into another hemisphere. Every man had to wear white shirts. Praise God, hallelujah, thank Jesus, amen. Today, Herman, you are holy. I am not. Every, Tim, you're holy. You got on a white shirt, you must be holy. Every woman had to wear their hair up. If they had much hair at all, it had to be up, right? They had to wear long skirts or dresses all the way to the floor. If you had a fellowship, it was out in the sun, it was 100 degrees. The women had to wear dresses. No pants allowed. The women did not wear makeup. It was kind of like having Halloween every Sunday. Brother, Brother Jesse said, Jesse said, I tell you what, I've been a son of the church that's out there. They got, no women don't have any, they don't, women don't have any makeup on. He said, I'll tell you one thing, in those kind of churches right there, no man going to have any lust. <laughs> so, by using this book merely as an illustration, the pages and the ink cannot bring you holiness but what comes out of them when it changes you on the inside you should eventually have some pages and ink people should know when i'd go to work on the construction job all those years and uh, i was out there with those guys at 9 30 every day every day 9 15 either electrician the plumber somebody say i'm headed to the store what do you want and they'd go back and I want, they'd bring back everybody where they wanted a Coke, a 7-Up, a Dr. Pepper, Melly Yellow, whatever. And they'd bring back, we called them Eda Snacks, but Eda Snacks, you know what, they're peanut butter crackers. Yeah. And, they, and we'd all go into one room, all the, and was the electricians, plumbers, all of us, and we'd stand around for 10 or 15 minutes, take a break, drink that drink and eat that. And boy, the stuff they wanted to talk about and the stuff they wanted to say in there. But you know what? I would go in that room with them but I would not ever engage in that conversation when they took on that role. And finally, they would make the mistake of saying, what do you think? I'd say, I think all y'all need to get saved. <laughs> there was a time, I, I, now those folks 
Don't get too hard on the people that dress that way and look that way. And they thought holiness, they actually believed this, that holiness was all of the way you dress, the way you do, you know, that's holiness. The problem with that was many of those people, if you knew their personal lives, were not very holy away from the church. So if we, even if we fix you up, even if we put you in a beautiful suit or a wonderfully long dress, and, and even if we do all of that, that's not going to make you holy. It has to be from the inside out. But, but on the other side of that, shouldn't there be some things the world says is okay that we say, you know what, I'm going to have to check with God on that. Now, I pointed something out this morning that's going to make some of you uncomfortable. I said it one night, and Lord knows I've never wanted to say it again the rest of my preaching life, and I was hoping I wouldn't be saying it this morning. Let, let me pause before I say it so I can say something else. You know what that means? That means I'm going to put a pillow behind the amble, or, or you know, in front of the amble. Holiness is a journey. So every person in here is at a different point in your walk with God and in your journey. There are some things that I may not do that Tim might do that he has not felt God's nudge on it that aren't necessarily sin. See, we forget the Bible says lay aside the sin and the weight that does so easily beset you. Some things in your life are sin and we're going to talk about them in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to give you lists. That you cannot get around with God. That's right. Just because your friends are doing that and just because your friends that go to, you know, simple church down the road. Not very far away. Amen. Maybe your mom, your dad, maybe somebody else thinks it's okay. But, but we're going to go through a list that God says, now, you go, I'm calling you to be holy. Here's a list that I'm giving to everybody. And I'm telling you, I don't put, this, these are things that are off limits. Now, we don't hear it in church anymore because we don't want it. We, oh, what if I bring my friends? And, and, and I've, I've had people in here tell me, thank God you said stuff about alcohol because I got delivered from it. I got people that aren't here anymore that said, if you hadn't preached on alcohol and said something about alcohol, I'd still be in it. Thank God that the pastor pointed out some scripture in the Bible, didn't just let you get by with Jesus turned the water into wine and a little wine for your stomach is good for you. He actually went past two scriptures and gave you the overall look in the Bible. I see it got quiet again. Every time I go there, it gets quiet. Why does it get quiet? Because I don't know about you. I don't have any problem amen in something that I'm agreeing with. But everybody's on a journey. Everybody. When we had a baby, when we had Rachel, we had a five and seven-year-old already in the house. We had Granny. My Lord, she was a 50-something-year-old, but she was like having a kid. And uh, we had him in our house. And... The expectation for, for Rachel when she was born was to look cute, and when she spit up or when she pooped, we cleaned it up. And we didn't say, why'd you make that mess? Are, are you listening to me? The expectation. But the five, seven-year-old, we said, get in there and get dressed. You know how to do this. You put that shirt on. You put on those. Now, we've talked to you how to, you, you, you can do, you put your clothes on, get ready for school. Because the expectation was different because of where they were in their life. So the thing about when you preach holiness, you've got to make sure you understand, I understand as your pastor, that some of you are in different places in your journey. 
Don't quickly judge someone else that's not as far along or where you are in your journey because they're not, they're not living the way you are. Pray for them. Give them opportunities to grow. But all of us, let me, oh, here comes a haymaker. None of us have arrived. So if none of us have arrived, we must all still be on a journey. Which means we should still be walking into more holiness as we go along. God's expectation for you will be to the level of where you are. But if you don't talk to God about your life, you'll stay still. Yes. Yes. You actually should pray about things. You should actually talk to your father and say, Father, is it okay if I do this? Because I don't want to do anything that would violate you or in some way cut me off from your anointing or the, the holiness of God. I don't want that. So show me what that is. It could be something very simple. It could be something pretty hard. But God will help you either way. Man, I don't have any time. Gosh, I wish I had more time this week. Uh, we're going to have several weeks with this. Can you handle it? Okay, because want, I want to build this case out and I want to do it in a way. Let me read to you 1 Peter 1 and I'm going to close with this. Verses 13 through 16, I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified Classic. As you know, it's one of my very favorite translations. Peter says, now remember, this is the New Testament church. These are born again, blood bought, blood washed, most of them speaking in tongue Christians. He said, so brace up your minds, be sober, circumspect, morally alert. Interesting, morally alert. Set your hope wholly and unchangeably on the grace or the divine favor that is coming to you when Jesus Christ the Messiah is revealed. Listen to verse 14. Live. Everybody say live. live. Shout it. Live. Oh. Now here's what Peter's saying to Christians. Live as children of obedience to God. Do not conform yourselves to the evil desires that governed you in your former ignorance when you did not know the requirements of the gospel. For as the one who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. For it is written, you should be holy, for I am holy. So let me give you two definitions real quickly here because i got to go. Holy, there's two words, uh, the, the Hebrew word's kwadash, Q-D-O-S-H. And it means to separate or set apart. In other words, you've been set apart. You've been separated. Yes. See, you're in the world, but you're really supposed to be separated even while you're in it. The New Testament word is an interesting word. Most of the time, holy, holiness is the word patheos, P-A-T-H-E-O-S, patheos. And I love this. It's, it, the the uh, Greek word means a path that is unlike other paths. Because you as a Christian, when you became a Christian, you got on a path unlike other paths. And you have to remember that when I'm walking with God, I am not walking the way the world does because I'm on a different path here. And when they change their ideas and change their laws and change their whatever, I, I'm, not, I'm not on that path. I'm walking with God, I'm on a different path. And as long as I walk with God, I'm walking in a holy place. Can you shout amen? amen? 
So holiness does require a change of behavior. There's a requirement that comes with walking with God. I don't go where I used to go, not because I have someone standing behind me saying, you can't go there, you can't go there, you can't go there. No, I have someone on the inside saying, you've been separated. You don't do that anymore. You don't act like that anymore. You don't talk like that anymore. You don't go there anymore. You're not like, and see, we need, there's a time we preach this in our churches. People walked out of the church on Sunday knowing I am not going to go out there this week and act like my unsaved friends and I'm not going to go to where, that, where I used to go and I'm not going to go down that road I used to go on because I'm on a different path. Amen. Now, let me give you a haymaker here and I got to go. When I say that, Elder Jerome's going to come up and a couple of uh, other folks probably help pray for you. Don't be in a hurry because I'm going to go over and preach to your teenagers for 15 minutes. I'm going to walk right out of here, grab that Bible, and I'm going over there to preach to your teenagers. Amen. The Lord told me to do this a while back, so I'm going over in about three minutes. Um, help me here a little bit. Haymaker. Oh, the haymaker. The haymaker is found in Hebrews, and it says this. Listen, for without holiness, no man shall see God. Right. Now, that's New Testament. Uh, where is it at? Chapter 12. I don't even remember, but let me look it up here. Chapter 12, something like that. You don't want to get into me in a contest of looking up stuff in your Bible because I'll beat you every time. Say I'm at Hebrews 12 right there. You, you, you'll be smoked. I'll leave you at the starting gate. Uh, verse 10. I'm preaching, not you. For they verily for a few days chastened us. He's talking about how we are chastened by our parents. Pay attention to me. Her time will come. After our own pleasure, but be, but he chastens us for our own profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Verse 14, or verse 13, make straight paths. There's that, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be healed, be turned out of the way, but let it be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. Verse 14. Amen. Now, could it be any plainer? Because the gospel being preached in churches today is it's all been done. Jesus is a nice guy. He paid the price. Don't worry about it. I actually heard a preacher that I highly respect just a few days ago say, the righteousness of God is like this. Jesus, are you all right? If you're all right, I'm all right. Well, now that's true when you ask for forgiveness and when you get born again. But you, if you're out messing around out in the world, he, yeah, he's all right. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But you're not in the righteousness of God anymore. That's right. You're not all right. I can't say, Jesus, you're all right if I'm out doing something out in the world again because I am not all right. And this is the problem with the preaching that's happening in America today. That's why churches are growing. Yeah, I mean, when you've got a big congregation, wonderful. I'm happy for you. I mean, if you're not forced, you're against us, you're forced. But I'm just saying, we're in a day where I'm wondering, again, remember the scripture. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that go therein. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that go therein. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of going, I've got to go. Bye. Father, may this word, please be reverent. May this word, this holy word, sink into our hearts. I'm not here today, Lord, to tell people how to dress. I'm not here today. We didn't give them a list of knots today. I didn't say one time, thou shalt not. 
But it did give us enough to think about, Lord, that we need to talk to you about our lives. Check in with you and see if what we're doing is okay, what we're watching, where we're going, what, what we partake in. Lord, these are things that we ought to be doing anyway. May this help us see that, because Lord, then we'll walk in a greater place with you and we'll see everything that you promised us come to pass in our lives. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.